Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you, and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. We, are, we started a series uh, last week called Help Me Get Unstuck. And uh, after the last few years and just after life, it's so easy for us to get stuck. It's so easy for us to have dreams and have plans. And eventually we look in different areas of our life, whether it be in our mind or our emotions or our relationships, we just get stuck. Is anyone here claustrophobic? Is anyone here claustrophobic? You feel like when you're in a confined space, like all the walls are closing in. I remember Shans and I were in Disneyland and I never knew she was claustrophobic. And uh, we're like, well, let's go on the Finding Nemo ride. That sounds pretty safe. Turns out this thing is you basically get in what you real, don't realise is a little cylinder, which is a, like a submarine. And, and you get in the cylinder and you go under the water. And, and I remember excited, like a little kid, finally going to Disneyland and, and I'm ready to see Nemo and all of his friends. And, 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 and I look next to me and my wife's looking up and this man, the captain, I don't know if he was really a captain, but anyway, he wore the hat. He, 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 was, he was closing this manhole and Sean's a quiet person. She's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm closing the manhole. She's like, why? And she's like, we're going underwater. And she's like, no, we're not. And he's like, yes, we is. And, and yes, he, yes, we is, is what he said. And, and, and he shut it up. And I remember the rest of that entire ride. That entire Nemo experience, I was looking out of the window and Shans was sitting like this, just looking at the manhole. I'm like, take in the wonder, take in the beauty of this magnificent wonderland. I mean, have you ever seen the Little Mermaid under the sea? Under the sea, darling, is better down where it's wetter. Listen to you get it, all right? So, and, but Shans is looking because she has to know, she has to know there's a way out. Truth is, sometimes in life what we do is we get stuck and we feel like the walls are closing in and there's no way out and we live our life looking at the exit strategy, looking at the problem, looking at the limitation and restriction and we don't get to take in everything that's around us and life can make you feel stuck, claustrophobic. Like a job that you took, which was not the dream job, you had your dream job, you knew what you were called to, but this one was just the next step for you, but this is where you're now stuck, and since it's paying the bills, your dream's gone and you remain there. Like a marriage that when you started dating or the early years was filled with fun and excitement, and it's not that your marriage is bad, but you got familiar, and if we're honest now, it's just gotten boring. Like a dream, that we had a dream we wanted to do something, something we really wanted to achieve. But the thought of what if it goes wrong is louder than the thought of what if it goes right. And we end up giving up on the dream and staying stuck. For some of us, you know there's a call of God on your life. You know there's more. He's, he's spoke to you, prophesied over you. He's whispered to you in your prayer time, yet hurt comes and, and maybe someone else was chosen or you were overlooked or there was a change of season, change of leadership, change of church. And, and now if you're honest, it's not that you've walked away. You're still faithful, but you're no longer fruitful. And the dream goes. Maybe you wanted to make a difference. Maybe you had a passion or uh, something. You had a gift that you could make a difference in someone's life. You, were on, you have an entrepreneurial spirit. You imagined what you could do overseas or with your gift or dream, but not knowing where to begin, you're now stuck with just an idea that's never outworked. 
Maybe you had energy and life and destinations. You wanted to climb base camp of Everest. You wanted to backpack around South America. You wanted a caravan around Australia, but you had kids and you're now utterly flipping exhausted. And said, so maybe we'll get to rope. And the dream goes, nothing wrong with rope. We are stuck. So the question is, how do we get unstuck? What is the very thing that God uses us to get unstuck? Like, I don't know if you've ever gone to open a maple syrup jar and, and you grab that thing and the, it, just what's good inside also is the thing that makes it stuck and, and you just gotta get some flow on that. You gotta get some hot water on that or get your wife to open it for you, whatever it is, we get stuck. And how does supernaturally God allow us to get unstuck when it comes to our dreams, uh, get unstuck in life? I believe the answer is God gives us dreams and visions. Yeah. Now, I'm not just talking about a dream you have in the middle of the night or during fasting, you have a vision and you don't know if it's the Lord or just your, your, your hunger. But, you, but I mean like pictures and imagination for your life, things that you know God put possibility on the inside of you, your family, your marriage, your life, this supernatural imagination. I believe God's gift to us, a God who imagines, a God who dreamed, a God who is creative, actually wants us to get unstuck. And the way God gets you unstuck is He puts more, in your spirit. He puts dreams and imagination in your spirit that stops you staying where you are. You see, the Bible is incredible because it allows us to read God's plans and will for our life, but the Holy Spirit partners with the Bible to, um, to allow supernatural illumination of what is possible, of what is not our reality right now. But we, like, we look at these kids right now and we don't see who they'll be, but the Holy Spirit gives us supernatural illumination to show what they could be. And now they get to go on the journey. He does that at our beginning, but He also does that to help us get unstuck. I mean, this building built 40 something years ago wasn't just an easy step. I mean, we were meeting just down the road in Northeast Road in a small auditorium with multiple services and Pastor Andrew and the team and then the church had this dream. What if we could do what no other church has done in the country and build a 2200 seater auditorium where in a place that really didn't exist yet and, and do what no one's done, it was a dream. The dream wasn't easy, but it was a dream. So in the early days of costing it out, it was like four times the amount it should be, but there was one person, his name was John Pittman, that led the charge and said, we'll do it for a quarter of the price. How does he do that? Because he had a dream. Uh, two weeks out, they only had the floor done and the balcony was built, but not ready to go. And they realised, there's gonna be more people coming in than we can contain on the floor. So in two weeks, they never put the seats in, but they built all the levels in the balcony so people could sit there. It's an impossible task in two weeks, but when you've got a dream, you get past it. They realised a couple days before opening this building that they hadn't got all the council ticks when it came to fire safety. And so they weren't gonna be able to do the opening. So they suddenly had to come up with an idea. Do they stop? No, they had this idea. What if we could get fire wardens and firemen at every, exit and entry and aisleway, would we be allowed to open? And the council said yes. So they literally had firemen all the way through the building because they had to get past an obstacle. What is it? When you've got a dream, it stops you from getting stuck. And the question is, if you've gotten stuck, have you forgotten the dream God gave you? Have we let go of the vision He put in the heart? 
the Israelites, God's people, were in captivity and uh, they, were held, they were held locked up, restricted, and therefore unable to dream and walk in and do all that they wanted to do. And suddenly they get freed and Psalms talks about what happened to these people when they got set free from Babylon. And it says this, put on the screen, it says, when the Lord restored the, stored the fortunes of Zion, read it with me, we were like those who dreamed. What happens when, keep it up, what, what happens when you get set free from the world's way of thinking and, and being stuck in a rut and being oppressed and restricted, all of a sudden, the very sign of someone who's been set free is you dream again. And our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue, tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said amongst the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with Joy, the very sign of someone who is free is they were like people who dreamed. Which means when you're stuck, when you're locked up or stagnant, probably the first thing to go is your dreaming, your imagination, your joy, your laughter. But when God returned them to who they were and where they were meant to be, the laughter and joy and testimonies came back. See, everyone gets stuck, but a dream gets you unstuck. Uh, my family, my brother's here, my, my family, uh, uh, one side of my family, mum's side's from Chile, South America. My dad's family is from Rochdale in England. Now, they weren't brave people. They, they weren't adventurers. They were classic English people. In fact, they were born pre-World War II, they grew up through the Depression, and for like generations that went before them, they literally lived hand to mouth. They lived up, lived in grey England, and, and you know, they, in those days, anyone, no one really had the opportunity to buy a home, never mind have a car or have a phone, and, and my grandparents, who are awesome, just every day they went to the mill and they came home. They went to the mill and they came home. They weren't bold adventurers. They, they weren't dreamers. They just lived as their parents did before them and their parents did before them. Uh, but one day in 1969, in a, in a cold, wet, dreary, grey English winter day, my grandma said to the family, why don't we move to Australia? And the family's like, <laughs> where? The other side of the world? Nah, we're not moving to Australia. But the next day, because my grandma had a vision, the next day my grandma got on several buses and she went into Manchester to a place called Australia House and she got a whole bunch of brochures. And these brochures were like dreams. And she came home and she put these brochures on the dining table and she said, why don't we go there? And on one of these brochures, my dad tells me, as he remembers this like pretty emotionally, he says uh, that there was housing trusts that were in Elizabeth that were so much better than the terrace houses they lived in in England. And as a family, they decided, that's it, let's do it. We're gonna move to Australia. They're not bold, they're not adventurers, but they suddenly had a vision in front of them and that vision in front of them became a dream that they were gonna get out of living hand to mouth and just doing the same old stuck routines that every generation had done before. So they got rid of their house and they sold their stuff and on the 5th of November, 1970, they went to Southampton as 10 pound poms. Is there any 10 pound poms here today? There's a few of you. And they went, and they went on a the HRMS Ellenus, and they went for four and a half weeks on the water, eventually landing in Fremantle in Western Australia. 
My dad says, the one thing I remember in that stopover is we couldn't believe how many flies there were in Australia. <laughs> they jump back on the boat, they, they go to Melbourne, and then they get on a cattle train that they just put some, installed some benches, and they go on a cattle train from Melbourne to Adelaide. When they get to Adelaide, a bus picks them up and takes them to a hostel in Woodville. And it's there, they lived there until they could find enough work for my grandma and my grandpa. They could uh, find a home, which eventually found a housing trust in Ingle Farm. That was my, the house my dad lived in all the way until he met a cute Chilean woman that he ended up marrying. Had amazingly good looking kids. <laughs> they, they literally came to Australia, one of them. They came to Australia with a thousand bucks in their pocket and that was it. They weren't brave. All they got was a dream and a vision that things could change. And it wasn't that they had everything, but they owned their own home. And they had their own phone. Like probably one of those like, you know, you get it. And, 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 and they had their own car. But that was better than what they had before. And then my dad grew up and, and my dad wanted to give us a better life and we had our own phone and we had our own car and, and I remember my dad though, like, well, we had a better life. We had a better education than he had. He worked multiple jobs. He was a cop, he was a police officer. He then had a lawn mowing round when he wasn't doing the police work and, and uh, he, he worked in wood yards in his holidays and picked fruit and riverland and did whatever it could to get us through school. And, but we had a better life. But I remember we never really went on holidays and all I wanted to do was play a high level basketball, but we didn't have the money all the time because he was working so hard. But then I look at my boys today. My boys, by the time they turned 10, had traveled more around the world than I had before I turned 30. They both get the opportunity to play high level basketball because my grandparents in 1969 got a vision in front of them, got a dream in their heart and said, well, it won't be easy and it won't be comfortable. We're gonna travel across the world. We're gonna enjoy heat and fly and hard work, but we wanna do something better for our kids. And because of that, literally a whole generation and the next generation have a better life because they didn't stay stuck, amen? So many of your stories too. Yeah, they're pretty cool. God's great. And in the same way that a parent wants their kids to dream for themselves, God the Father has a dream for you as His child. In the same way a parent wants their children to dream and imagine and get a vision for their life, the same way your Father has a dream and a plan for every single one of you. See, dreams give expectation, help you get unstuck. Dreams bless others, dreams spur you on from settling, dreams make you bold, dreams Get you unstuck, it's the same thing I said before. <laughs> Abraham in the Bible has a dream. He's a great example for so many of us because Abraham's dream is like many of us, he wants to have a family and he wants a bit of land, he wants a bit of home to call his own. And it's in his 70s, he probably thinks that dream is over, but God's not finished with him yet. For some of us that are a little bit older, maybe in our 50s, 60s or 70s, 50s not old, I'm 40, but you know, and 60s isn't, but anyway, I've offended everyone. But if you're in your 60s or 70s or 80s today, because you haven't seen all that God's promised you at work doesn't mean that God's finished with you. So God says, Abraham, I'm not done with you. I've got a dream for your life. So God says in Genesis 12 verses one to four, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. 
I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make, you, make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Now, Abraham has a, a dream from God. I am going to give you a family because if you're going to be the head of a nation, you've got to have children. And I'm gonna give you land of your own and you will be blessed and you will be a blessing to others. It's a great dream. It's a great vision. He says, though, leave your family. Don't take anyone with you, just go. But Abraham decides to share his dream with his nephew, Lot. He decides to take his nephew, Lot, and Lot's family with him. I'll show you why in a moment. So Lot and Abraham go on this journey and they're traveling. God doesn't tell him where he's taking him. He says, I will show you. My, my grandparents didn't exactly know all of the steps on how they would get to Australia, yet they were willing to take a step. And God leads him on this journey. But partway through the journey, there's complications and there's arguments and uncomfortability between Abram and Lot's family. So they get to a point where Lot's done with the dream because it was never his dream anyway. And he decides that he is going to settle. This is the greatest danger of anyone that has a dream. We settle. And it says in Genesis 13, Lot looked around and saw the whole plain of Jordan towards Zoar. Everyone say Zoar. Zoar. It was a well, it was well, saw towards Zoar was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. The place of comfortability always has a sense of familiarity with it. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east and the two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived amongst the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. On the way to your dream, when God puts something in your heart for your kids, for your life, for the gift He gave you, for your marriage, for your family and for your future, there will always be a dispute in your spirit. Your spirit and your mind will begin to argue. Your spirit that wants to follow Follow the call of God and your mind and, and life that wants to stay in the comfort of now. And there is always going to be a temptation to remain where you are. There is always gonna be a familiar place that you can go to and stay there, but you will remain stuck. There are always going to be green pastures that will make you quit on the destination and give up on the dream. So Lot moved to a place near Sodom in the region of Zoar. Everyone say Zoar. When you look in the Hebrew, what that word Zoar means, it means little or insignificant. You see, a place of comfortability and familiarity will always make you live a life of insignificance. And while God had called Abram and his family to significance, comfort and familiarity and the, not, the unwillingness to go the journey led Lot to a place of insignificance. You know what's amazing? I talked, when I asked my dad about his parents coming over, he said, what's incredible is, over half the families that sold everything went four and a half weeks on a boat to Australia, couldn't handle the work, the heat and the flies and they left Australia and went all the way back to England to a place that was more familiar and comfortable. And then he said a number of those families saw the grey skies, the terrace houses and the lifestyle they used to have and then they sold everything again, took another four and a half week boat trip to Australia to start again. 
Because hey, this is what so many of us do. My, my grandparents made this decision. They would endure the heat. They would endure the flies. They would endure the hard work. They would have no air conditioning. Why? Because they got a vision and they got a dream for your life. Because say, when God gives you a dream and a vision, there will always be the option of complacency, familiarity and comfortability. There's going to be a lot of things. Abraham had his lot. Can I ask you, what's your lot? Have you got a lot of disappointment? Have you got a lot of frustration? Have you got a lot of being overlooked? Have you got a lot of my leader changed? Have you got a lot of they let me down? Have you got a lot of bitterness? Have you got a lot of uncomfortability? Can I tell you, you've got to leave your lot behind and keep chasing after the things of God. Because if you listen to the lot that speaks to you, you will rest in a place of comfortability, but you will never live a life of significance that God has for you and your family, amen? Don't go back. Don't stop dreaming. Don't get stuck. If God's got a plan and a dream for you, He hasn't changed His mind. And if life and circumstances and family and heartache has caused you to get stuck, it doesn't change the one that's the same yesterday, today and forever. So get the dream and the vision back in your heart. Allow Him to renew the belief and passion in it and allow the Holy Spirit to show you the next step. Amen. So why was Abram so stuck to Lot? Well, the Bible shows us that Lot actually lost his parents, his mum and dad, at a young age. And Abram and Sarah really wanted a child. They wanted a son, but they couldn't have a son. And Lot looks like a son. But Abram, for Abraham, Lot wasn't his answer. Isaac was. You see, the only way he could inherit his Isaac was to not take the easy option or the counterfeit option and he could only receive God's supernatural on the journey of faith. You see, if Abraham and Sarah had stayed with Lot, because whenever God gives you a dream, the enemy will come with a counterfeit dream. Just ask Jesus in the desert when he went through a season of following the Holy Spirit, there were counterfeit offers from the enemy. God has a dream and a plan for your life and the enemy will always give you an easier, more comfortable, more familiar option that will cause you to stay in a place of insignificance. But God has significance for your life. God has purpose and potential for your family. And it's only on the journey of faith that you can inherit the supernatural miracle of an Isaac that fulfills the promise that God has for your life. You see, Lot looked a little like a son, but he never really was. There's nothing wrong with what Abraham wanted, but his answer wasn't God's answer. Can I say, don't let your weed be your seed. Don't let the thing that grows up in your life be the distraction. Don't allow the counterfeit options and the other things that come into your life be the thing that stops you living a supernatural life that follows God and believes God until you see the dream and the vision fulfilled in your life. Amen? To every parent dedicating the child, there's gonna be weed seasons. Bible, Jesus talks about good so seed and good soil, yet weeds grew up. That's, that's why you gotta pull up the weeds. That's why you gotta keep speaking the promises of God into their life. That's why you gotta keep praying and fighting against the counterfeit offers and the counterfeit people and the place of insignificance. That's why as a family, continue to live by faith because when you live a supernatural life by faith, your Isaac ends up living a supernatural life by faith. And that Isaac, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, there's a Jacob that'll live by faith. What my grandparents did 
affects my kids and what you do affects your kids. So don't settle in the well-watered grass of insignificance, but allow yourself by supernatural dreams and imagination to get a picture of the significance God has for your life and keep on stepping, amen? Amen. Maybe just the keys can come. Don't make His dreams fit your plans. Don't make His dreams fit your plans. The Bible says uh, man makes his plans, but God, the Lord ordains his steps. I found this with God, when He gives us a dream and a a vision, He doesn't lay out the plan for us. He's got one, He's just not laying it out. And if He laid it out, it wouldn't require faith. So He gives you a dream and a vision and now expects you to step it out in faith. But because we want the plan, we begin to make our own. This is the thing about a supernatural journey. This is the thing about believing what God's called you to do and what God called you to have and God's called you your family to be is that it requires faith that He steps out the steps. This is why we have to seek Him and wait on Him and be with Him and rest in Him. And if you do, the dreams will come, the vision will flow. It's not that you always get the picture visually, it's that something in your spirit begins to awaken. It's that you begin to remember that word that was spoken over your life. You begin to imagine what God has and it's there as you see it, you begin to speak over it. And all of a sudden you'll see it come to life in time and it will be God. How do I know that? Not because I'm in your shoes, I'm in my own. But This is what God did at the very beginning. The earth was void and without form. Yet God in His supernatural imagination saw you and me and saw all of this. He had a dream, He had a vision. And so it says, as the Spirit covered the earth and the Spirit hovers over the waters, God saw, God spoke, it came to life and God looked at it and said, that dream is good. And you were made in the likeness of God, which means the very things you don't have in your hands yet, when God gives you a vision and a picture, you can see it, you can claim it, you can speak over it, and in His perfect timing, you will look at it one day and say, it is good. I feel like some of our marriages that have gone stagnant and boring and plain, and it's not that we're leaving each other, but it's just not what it was. I'm believing there's gonna be a day if you can just start to get your eyes open spiritually and begin to picture what God has said, where you will look at it again one day and say, it is good. So, so we, we take the well-watered plains, we eat fruit, it's quicker, it's shorter. It's, it's, it's Adam and Eve do what we would all do. We take the shortcut. And all of a sudden, you know what stops? Our supernatural imagination. Now for all of the Old Testament, no one sees dreams and visions, only a few select people that the Holy Spirit hovers over. Elisha, Elijah, Moses and others. But that wasn't God's plan. He wanted to bring us back through Christ. So the very first time Jesus stands up in an audience to preach, He says this in Luke 4, 18, the Spirit of the Lord hovers over me. The Spirit of the Lord covers me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news. Ha, if it hasn't been good news, it's good news for the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to see the oppressed set free, 
Now you might be, there must be people that can't visually actually see. Now everything Jesus did naturally, it was a picture of what He was doing spiritually. You see, when He says, I came to give sight to the blind, it was those that have stopped visioning. It's those that have stopped dreaming would begin to see again and dream again. And for those that were oppressed and stuck in their ways, we would be like the people that were set free from Babylon. That when we are unstuck, we would be like those that once dreamed. So Jesus comes to awaken their imagination, their, their supernatural scene, and then He has to go. But He says, we'll do even more than He did. He said, just wait. And it's there in Acts chapter two, we see ordinary men and women that before Jesus had been stuck in their ways, hand to mouth, going to the fishing boat and back home again, going through the rhythms of life, as they wait in an upper room for more, all of a sudden it says the Holy Spirit hovers over them like tongues of fire. They're covered in the anointing. And then Peter, who was stuck. Peter, who was denying. Peter, who was the way he was. All of a sudden, when everyone comes running and thinks that they're drunk that early in the morning, he stands up and says, they're not drunk as you suppose, but they're doing what the prophet Joel spoke about. He says in Acts chapter 2, 17, in these last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on, say it with me, Oh, people, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes in my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer, and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what, the past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward, and I believe the best days are ahead for you. 
If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.